Empire podcast this week. Gore! Gore everywhere! Gore Fabinski, that is, as the director of A Cure for Wellness pops by for a chat. Plus the usual news and nonsense on the movie podcast that just feels triumphant right now. Triumphant. Hello, Pod. I'm Chris Hewitt, and welcome to the Empire Podcast, brought to you this week by mustard.co.uk, the insurance comparison site that helps you save time, money, and effort. Uh, after the glory of last week's, well, there's only one word for it, really triumphant 250th podcast which featured a live audience and amazing anecdotes from amazing anecdote machine Christopher McQuarrie we're back in the mundane surroundings of the pod booth as we embark upon the next batch of 250 which will take us up to the year 2022 2022 people God help us all. That's um, terrifying. It's a terrifying prospect for everybody concerned. Uh, this week, I am joined by two colleagues of such lethal cunning. First up, and you'll soon see why, is our online editor, a man who is basking in the glory of being somehow the only journalist in the world, the world, <laughs> to get his name on the DVD cover of Rogue One. Please welcome the triumphant... James Dyer. You really are a dreadful human being. <laughs> Triumphant. It, it, it was That's a, what it says. a personal triumph for me. <laughs> but I you know, I, I applaud the uh, I applaud Disney for, for identifying me above all other <laughs> shit, dare I say it, humans in the world. Yeah. Uh, that they sought my validation for this film and as long as I liked it, they were happy. And that's uh, that's that's nice. What does the word triumphant in your Rogue One review refer to? I really couldn't tell you. Can you remember? <laughs> I have no idea. Can you remember I'm, using the word triumphant? I, I undoubted. I'm kind of a hack, so probably. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I almost certainly called it triumphant at one point. They clearly seized on that. And they Surely it wasn't in reference to Michael Cicchino's score, which I know you have a massive yes. problem with. <laughs> Cicchino's triumphant score. No, I didn't. I didn't. I, yeah, I, I don't remember. I'd actually have to go back and have a look at it. But uh, th- this was a bit of a this was a bit of a, a kind of career high moment for me. Um, uh, yeah, having having been on set of Empire Strikes Back when I was five, and then now my name is on the Star Wars. No, it's, it's, I can it's just, great. I basically, I'm done. I'm very happy for you. I'm going to retrain as a teacher now because <laughs> I feel I have I have achieved. It's like in when you play video games. You know, you, when you get an Xbox achievement. This is my journalism. <laughs> my journalism Xbox achievement for ten points has just popped up on the screen. Yeah, and I can now uninstall the game and do something else. It's like uh, Ali Plum, formerly of this parish, uh, and now at a much bigger parish <laughs> over at Radio One, has his name up in Leicester Square at the moment on uh, the few Leicester Square. Does he? Yeah, with the Lego Batman. It says ridiculously fun or Ridiculous Fun Ali Plum which is much a description of Ali Plum as it is, <laughs> yeah, it is of course awesome. the movie uh, so that's pretty cool that's that's very cool you know but it's yeah. not as good as Triumphant <laughs> on the cover of a DVD it, 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 yeah it's true I mean I'm now basically the celebrity guest for this this week's podcast <laughs> I mean if we get right down to it as yeah. as someone personally associated with Star Wars and clearly the most famous person in this room yeah um yeah. I, I what ha- would you like to ask me? I have a question. Uh-huh. Um, Disney, what have you done? <laughs> Look at the monster you have created. I know, I know. Do they not see? Do they not see? They're like the Mads Mikkelsen character, Lars Elderich. What's his name? Jim... <laughs> Galen Erso, that's Galen him. Erso. <laughs> Lars Elden Rich. <laughs> He's probably played that at some point. He probably has. Lars Elden Rich. Um, Galen Erso. My, um, I, I, yeah, I think yes. This, this has been, it has been a long-term goal for me. It is in many ways a triumph of the will. <laughs> oh, no. It's a triumph of the will. No. 
since you're Let's move on. Like one. Yes. All right. Last but not least, we have our geek queen, a lady who also got the word triumphant onto a DVD this time of Supernatural season eleven. But then the man at HV made her wipe off the tip X and hey. pay for the damages. It's <laughs> Helen O'Hara. Hello. Just a little tick here. Yeah, that's well there we done. Go. Yeah, there's your supernatural uh, reference. Supernatural. I could have also gone for on the poster for Hamilton. For Hamilton, which is on buses now. It's happening. It's tougher to write tip X on buses. They tend to move. They're moving targets. Very, very hard. I mean, they, they don't move very fast. You will not be deterred. No. He's in London, isn't he? He is, yeah. He's filming uh, Mary Poppins Returns uh-huh. with um, with a dreamy cast, actually, at this point. It really <laughs> is. Cast. No, it's Did awesome. Angela Lansbury is in it, people. <clears throat> Come on. Did you hear the anecdote, uh, Richard Schiff's anecdote of meeting Lin-Manuel for the first time? No. He, uh, obviously, uh, Lin-Manuel is a massive fan of the West Wing. Naturally. Richard Schiff, obviously in the West Wing uh, and he had t- <laughs> just, just for just people, people at home who no, no, may no. not know I just, re- I just remember something yeah. but it's fine okay, I'll, I'll fine. Tell um, uh, he tweeted to his followers oh hey I've just got tickets to Hamilton we're about to go in got a tweet back from the Manuel who follows him yes. and he says oh what what are you uh, afternoon morning what performance are you in and he said I'm in the afternoon didn't hear anything else about it and then after the performance someone said do you want to come backstage and uh, and Limo was there, he comes up to him and meets him. And he's like, Did you see it? Did you see it? And he'd done a thing where he puts his hand on his chest. He was being full Ziegler. And he did it because he knew ah! Schiff was in the audience. And Schiff's like, I mean, he thinks Hamilton is the greatest expression of art of our lifetime. Mm. I mean, he thinks it's the most amazing thing ever. Uh, and Lim was basically said, I made this because of you. Do you know yeah. This was inspired by you. On the West Wing, and it kind of blew this his is mind. the thing you need to understand about Lin Manuel Miranda. He's one of us. I know. He's a hundred percent one of us. He's a massive nerd. He follows Patrick Rothfuss as well, for God's sake. I know. There's two um, chat on, uh, on yeah, Twitter. Yeah, they chat on Twitter genius. all the time. Does he follow you on Twitter? Not yet. Does he I follow, mean, he doesn't follow me. Does he, he almost follow certainly follows me now, having seen my name on the uh, Red One box. So, uh, <laughs> have you had a bump on Twitter? <laughs> I, I I had a bump on Instagram, believe it or not. Really? Yeah, yeah. Because I posted the thing on Instagram, and, and of course you did. Of course <laughs> I did. Because I'm that kind of dreadful bellend. And uh, yeah, I got I got a bump there. <laughs> yeah, it's just a matter of time. Until uh, I am it's amazing. Friends. It's right in the middle of the uh, of the DVD as well. So you, and it's you, the only you one. see that and it's the only one. There are there are actual film journalists they could have chosen. But <laughs> <laughs> instead, they only went for this this thing. Yeah, no, it's fine. Yeah, it's okay. And you know, Helen didn't get on the. No, I didn't the get Force, Force Awakens. Awakens cover. You, yeah. you could have had, you know, Kylo Ren as the best Star Wars villain. Yeah, they could have. It could have been they in, could have, in, and they would have been right, Chris. All right, <laughs> they would have been right. You know, I haven't written any Star Wars reviews that uh, ever. Not ever. No. no, never in the past in history. Anything notorious? Nothing. No, I'm not allowed anymore. <laughs> no. John Nugent trolled me on this. He said, "Was it Titanic amongst the Star Wars?" Oh, dear. which is a reference, of a course, reference to your to my passengers, passengers review. review. Yeah. yeah. Four Star Empire, <laughs> triumphant. Yeah. Uh, talking about Richard Schiff reminded me of the time. Do you remember this when we um, the walk and talk? The walk and talk. When we <laughs> we were uh, we did weekly fitty bloggy sodes. Yeah. Uh, very we used to, briefly, we, very briefly for about ten weeks. They were sponsors yeah. or something, and uh, we used to do uh, video diaries, which we call fitty bloggy sodes. If you don't know, seek them out. They're on. Some of them are on YouTube. Yeah, uh, and we're very proud of some of them. Less <laughs> less so of others. Uh, Mark Strong's floating head. Mark oh, Strong's yeah. giant floating heads. Yeah. Uh, all the different parodies. Anything involving video blog episode, man. Mm. Less proud of that. But, uh, <laughs> Look at that, people. <laughs> so we used to do them at Cannes, we used to do them at Comic-Con, we used to do them at the London Film Festival. Um, and then we did weekly ones as well. 
And Richard Schiff, for reasons I cannot even begin to recall, was in the Empire offices one day and we decided to ask him to do a West Wing parody, and you can see I'm doing air quotes in the biggest possible way, uh, where I, I went up to Richard Schiff and went, Richard, walk with me. <laughs> and we walked through the corridors of Empire, get into a lift, and then Sam, the cameraman, had to run down the stairs to meet us at the bottom of the stairs, out of panting out of breath by the time the lift got down, and we were just talking about bollocks. And he, and he said to us, he's turned down Everybody asked him to do this. And for some reason, he said yes to a bunch of amateurs with a video camera. And he's since turned on everyone else because it was such a terrible <laughs> but, experience. No, I because it, you, it's the apotheosis, isn't it? Once, uh, you, once you appear on an Empire Fiddy blog episode, then your career's over, uh, you as I learned. <laughs> you also left out the critical fact that we utterly fucked it up on about eight different texts because we couldn't keep the lift doors open That's and right, they kept yeah. closing. Yeah. So not only did we make him do it, we made him do it really badly. And he was such a nice guy, he very patient guy. because yes. we obviously don't know what we're doing. That should That's be evident. <laughs> I, I mean, we've been going for 10 minutes and we've barely done the introductions. Um, <laughs> Good so, times. Yeah. No, no, I've, I've interviewed, I've introduced you. Yeah. I've introduced you. I've introduced myself. So we're nearly The mustard there. thing. We're good. Yeah. Oh, Lin-Manuel Miranda's here. I forgot to mention him. No, no, he's not. I would have, One I would day. have been squeeing in the back. Yeah, you would already. not be able to contain yourself. What would you do? I would be fine, I think. I'd would be you? all right, yeah. Would you? I interviewed Keanu the other week. Come on. I can handle anything. I'm strong like bull. It's true. I was the one giggling and tittering less so, Helen. So <laughs> oh, I don't know. You were quite good. We were both quite giddy when we got rid of that. <laughs> I still haven't heard true. that interview. I need to check it out. And if you want to check out the Keanu Reeves uh, interview, thank you for the segue. Hey. Uh, it is part of our John Wick Chapter 2 spoiler special podcast, which is available right now, both with Keanu Reeves talking to these two grinning morons and, uh, <laughs> and the director Chance to Helsky and then us as well talking about the film that's probably less essential and I have had just to say I've had a couple of people uh, at me overnight since this went up and and say how how infectious his enthusiasm for the film is and his cleared love for the character and the whole universe of John Wick and honestly that's at least part of what made us as giddy as we were that day he's just his enthusiasm is incredibly contagious and it's lovely so it's definitely worth a listen yeah, fantastic. No, uh, absolutely. Keanu is uh, as happy as Larry. He's the anti-sad Keanu at the moment. Yes, uh, yes. Shall we have a question? Yes. Finally. What are we now? Minute 30? Uh, 15 minutes. Uh, okay. Uh, this is from Alan Hemmings and it's via email. If your life could be scored by any film composer, who would it be and why? Would Ennio Morricone haunt the audience with uh, <laughs> a foreboding harmonica during your commute? <laughs> An after-work trip to Tesco. Hang on a second, Ellen Ammons. Are you following me? <laughs> no, of course not, because I'm a Sainsbury's guy. Reward yeah, card. Come on, Nectar you're Aldi all the way. Nectar points, FTW. Uh, how about a rousing yet somehow hard-wrenching Michael Cicchino score? James is shaking his head. No. As you reminisce about Tesco, <laughs> not having any gluten-free crumpets left. Okay, clearly he's not following yeah. us because none of us none are, of us are into gluten-free, gluten-free stuff. Yeah. Um, gluten-free waffles. I mean, obviously John Williams, because my life is epic. What, yeah, like but what, what kind of Williams? You're saying epic, hard-hitting Private Ryan Williams or, you know, whimsical Williams, bit Harry Potter-esque? What no, are you... I'm saying but Helen late is... 70s, early 80s Williams. Come on, come on. Helen, serious. Helen contains multitudes. I do. And, uh, you know, so John Williams could, could con- convey any part of your life. Exactly. Any emotional high. I mean, That's a good choice. Lots of emotional love. It's a bit of first base. It obviously. Is. Well, then I'm going to go a little bit more, you know, home run uh, or something now. 
Uh, Daniel Pemberton, I also really rate. I've had a bit of a listen to some of his stuff recently for mm-hmm. reasons. Well, he was at Empire Live and I, <laughs> I interviewed him on stage. He's a very nice man. I think he'd, you know, we could sit down, have a chat. He'd do a good job. Um, it'd probably be quite depressing if he got my life like 100% spot on because it'd be a very, very simple and boring score. But, <laughs> you know, if he took a bit of a flight of fancy with it, we could have some fun. Just to clarify, are we talking about this in, in the when the biopic of our lives, which in my case will inevitably happen? Because uh, <laughs> you're so that, famous when, now. Yeah, so I'm famous now. And it will obviously be <laughs> Williams. Uh, when, when the, are we talking like... Have it, when it's it a will film? simply be called Tri- Triumph. <laughs> <laughs> Benedict Cumberbatch is James Dyer. Just building up to the moment that you write the... <laughs> write the review of Rogue One and there's you know, a five minute montage of him trying to come up with the right words good yeah good great no no it has to be something better than that Ooh, let me look through the dictionary triumphant yes Anyway. Anyway, are we saying it's that, or is this a Stranger Than Fiction type affair where we're walking down the street and just the orchestra swells? I think it's a Stranger Than Fiction thing, isn't it? I think you'd want to mix then, because I see myself descending on the office to Rise of the Valkyries. Um, <laughs> Wagner, yeah. wow. Okay. First triumph of the will, now Wagner. Yeah, there's a, there's this is going really well here. for you. Um, I don't know. I, I sometimes, you know, on press week, I'm thinking sort of a <laughs> Johan Johansson kind of Sicario type grinding industrial thing, maybe. Okay. Uh, is probably appropriate, or uh, you know, something a bit of bit of Alan Silvestri. Oh yeah, a bit, a bit of predator yep. type. Oh, I was, I was or thinking more. Future, take your pick. I was thinking more <laughs> Avengers, but okay. He is a, a man of of endless versatility. <laughs> yes. Yeah, and his scores don't sound similar, which is which no, is good. which is very. Was good. it was it was it Dark Knight Rises that Zimmer shared? The score writing duties. Or was uh, he shared certainly the first two with James Newton Howard. Right. Okay. I'm not sure about the Dark Knight Rises. So, so, but James is really you. You are more seeing. Do you remember years ago in the Vanity Fair Hollywood issue they did a spread where they just took pictures of all of the major film composers. It was amazing because this was mm. the 90s. We didn't really have IMDb, and there was this spread with picture of all the composers and then some of their sort of greatest hits. And I remember being absolutely fascinated by it. Uh, the fact that they called them Bernstein East and Bernstein West because there mm. was Leonard and Elmer um, mm. and uh, and stuff like that. And uh, yeah, so you would basically recruit that spread of like 20 composers yeah. to take turns. Or just like yeah. mix and match. So like I have yeah. James Horner, you know, doing a combo with Junkie XL for my kind of breakfast montage. <laughs> And then we kind of slip into something, I don't know, a little bit different in the afternoon. A bit, bit Johnny Greenwood in the <laughs> yeah, afternoon. And, yeah. yeah. Or, you know, I don't know. Oh, or I could whimsically stroll around the building to uh, Snuffy You've Alden. never whimsically strolled anywhere. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. It is like, beyond you. You know, like when Leo does the, the big walk and talk at the very beginning of the first episode of The West Wing, which is the music that they also yeah. use over the end credits, which is that plinky plonky playful one. <laughs> that could be that could be my theme. My friend Sam and Wheatles, hey guys, uh, walk down the aisle to that. Did that? Yeah. That was their exit music. Um, yeah. To which one? Uh, to the West Wing end credits theme. Oh, how's that go? What's funny is... It sounds better when he Tommy Slammy, who directs... He, to this day, can't work out why he used that for the end credits. Because if you have a really sombre episode that ends like... Which they often do. It then goes into this really peppy, light-hearted credits music. And it's really jarring. It's a slightly odd choice. This has been the West anyway. Wing Weekly brought to you. <laughs> Hashtag the West Wing Weekly. Uh, no, it, it, no, it's good. It's so, Chris, good, who, it's who would you? Trent Reznor. Trent Reznor. <laughs> Trent Reznor. No? Yes, yes, Trent yes. Reznor. Um, I, I, this is a really, really tough question because, again, like Helen, 
I contain multitudes. Uh, it's true. Oh, sorry. Yes. Uh, and uh, so I don't, I don't know. I love John Carpenter, but I think he's a little Ooh. bit Ooh. too dark for the sort of stuff I do. That would be. Imagine walking home at night and you can hear John Carpenter music. Come on. So you can actually hear this. I can hear this music. Yeah, like so what we're establishing. Like, yeah, it's Stranger okay. Than Fiction style. Okay, yeah. so I can actually hear the music. In that case, no, not John Definitely Carpenter. Definitely not John Carpenter. Uh, Who wrote the Benny Hill music? I don't know. Because <laughs> I'm saying that's a contender. Who's the big rom com king? That would be fun. The rom com, the, the king of rom com music. Music, yeah. I don't know, but. No, um, not really either. I don't know. You know. I love Jerry Goldsmith stuff. Oh, yeah. James Horner was great, obviously, as well. Uh, Danny Elfman. Good if you're show. walking through a dark, scary wood at night, less good if you're in Tesco buying gluten-free waffles or whatever it is. But uh, I don't know. I, I, I'm kind of I'm drawn towards, you know, if you don't really want to go for people who are long dead, mm-hmm. like the Elmer Bernsteins of this world or the Bernard Hermans, Lelou Schifrin is still alive the guy who did the music for Dirty Harry the guy who wrote the Mission Impossible theme uh, he'd be pretty awesome yeah. I'd be quite happy with that um, or if you wanted to delve into the world of TV which I think is dominated particularly by two absolute colossuses colossies 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 let's say that uh, colossos whatever um, Mike Post be good to be soundtracked by Mike Post or uh, the late great Ronnie Hazelhurst well if we're getting into TV I demand Bear McCreary Ooh. Oh, oh, oh my God! Yeah, he's the guy who did Grand Chill and Blockbusters. Battlestar, the Battlestar music is spectacular. Yeah, it is. In uh, fact, that is genuinely. If you ever need to type fast, yeah, highly recommend Battlestar Galactica. Passacaglia works. If you look that up, there's a playlist online that then goes into like Allegro or some other ones. It is fantastic. For remind me how the Battlestar Galactica theme goes. Uh, no, it's no. complicated. There's lots of drums. <laughs> the, the, his, his all along the watchtower was an unofficial theme of my life at one point. Oh, it's yeah, a good, good thing. Yeah. I'd I, I quite like, I, I know this isn't strictly composers, but I'd really like, you know, 80s pop act Yellow. <laughs> <laughs> like, from, um, oh yeah. The Secret of My Success. Well, for, uh, from, uh, Ferris, Ferris Bueller. Bueller. Ferris Bueller, Bueller of course, but also yes. The Race, which is all- made famous by Nuns on the Run. I oh, always I always associate that song weirdly enough with the secret of my success and not Ferris Bueller, Ferris Bueller Bueller where it was bow, used first bow, and better bow. <laughs> that's it we've got a winner we're done we've got a winner and I th- I'm sure to Alan Hemming's satisfaction <laughs> uh, if you want to have your question read out on the Emperor podcast and frankly why wouldn't you we're on email podcast at Empire Online we're on Facebook as Empire Magazine and of course we're on Twitter as well as at Empire Magazine please use the hashtag Empire Podcast or chances are we won't be able to see it okay time now for movie news and we're going to start off with the hard sell because it is Friday the 24th of February am I right? I sure. said April there for a second uh, and that means that the new issue of Empire is now on sale it came out yesterday in all good and evil news agents price just £4.50 and it is as ever another belter of an issue tons of great stuff inside it uh, who's this on the cover? it's Wonder Woman hooray Who? Wonder Woman what's know. she been in? Uh, have I seen her in anything before? Batman v Superman colon Dawn of Justice oh yeah that's right yeah and the Lego movie and like a Batman sort of surely yes. that would be the theme tune for you wouldn't you you'd want the electric cello <laughs> that wouldn't be bad actually oh, that would be pretty cool um, but yeah this is the sort of uh, this is uh, a basically a look at 
you know what's taken so long and why it's why it's 75 years more than uh, to get Wonder Woman to the screen um, so so that was a lot of fun uh, spoiler I went on set and talked to some people about it um, and that's been that's been really good and the pictures are astonishing mm. Chris Lupton's opener for that for that feature is a thing of beauty uh, we've also got some Alien Covenant in there as one of the first looks we have what else do we have, Chris? You're actually leafing through it, and I'm trying to remember everything. It looks very good. I mean, I I, I would definitely buy this. this <laughs> Thanks, Chris. £4.50. All right, let's go through this. Big sell. All right, here we go. Page one. No. Oh, okay, bit, all right. We'll, we'll skip, we'll skip. Yeah. Um, so Wonder Woman, uh, Helen was on set. Talked to uh, Gal Gadot, I believe. Is that how you pronounce it? Gal? Oh, dear, is it? Okay. Gal? Everybody kind of said Gal, I'll be honest. I've heard Gal, I've but heard I'm Gal. also hearing Gal. All right. Well, that would maybe make... It might be that we're just kind of slightly Englishifying it. Okay. Right, let's move on. Get out for it. Oh, dear. That was untriumphant. Then we have uh, Free Fire. We have a feature on Ben Wheatley's Free Fire. Uh, I went on set in Brighton. Uh, When did I go on set in Brighton? A long time ago. Mm. In a galaxy far, far away. It wasn't this... Just Brighton. down the road. Yeah. Uh, and well, it might as well be with Southern Rail. Am I? Am I right? <laughs> you, you're so right. <laughs> oh. You are so right. Uh, no, it was a it was a lovely journey. Very oh, very nice day. Okay. And I spoke to everybody in the cast: Brie Larson, Army Hammer, Killian Murphy, Michael Smiley, uh, Jack Rayner. Who else is in that cast? There's some amazing people. Uh, your man. Your man. Yeah, your man. Charlton Copley. Indeed. Him. Uh, and Ben Whitley about how he staged uh, a massive shootout if you don't know what that movie is it's a group of people in a warehouse and they all start shooting at each other uh, then we also have a feature on Ghost in the Shell Scarlett Johansson indeed Johansson uh, boldly going where no manga has gone before an adaptation of the classic anime uh, we have a feature on the French cannibal movie Raw so exciting really really excited to see that mm-hmm. yep. feature also on Beauty and the Beast Beauty and the Beast tale as old as time mm-hmm uh, the new Disney live action animation adaptation uh, The Empire interview this month is Ian McShane the terrifying but brilliant Ian McShane uh, then we also have a report from the set of Netflix's Iron Fist our latest Marvel series and a really interesting feature on How Green Was My Fally which uh, yes. is the movie that beat Citizen Kane to the Best Picture Oscar all those years ago so yes we're reporting on the movie that is better than the best movie ever made <laughs> Die Hard You'll dare to. <laughs> um, etc. etc. Uh, also in the issue we have new images from the likes of Alien Covenant as Helen mentioned Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 Borg McEnroe which is not of course a new Star Trek movie but oh. a movie about the rivalry between uh, Bjorn Borg and Return. John McEnroe uh, and who is John McEnroe in this movie? Shia LaBeouf correct that's exciting isn't it that is exciting I was trying desperately to think of a resistance is futile pun there but yeah. I know so little about tennis I don't know any tennis terms let alone one that sounds like resistance Helen help me out um, I don't know that there are many that sound like resistance uh, so you're saying this was a flawed endeavour from the get go I'm afraid it probably resists damn it deuce, there might be like a resist deuce but it would be really forced it wouldn't work terribly okay. as a pun yeah. mm-hmm. resistance is fault no it's no. not it's not going to work resistance oh. is faultile no it doesn't like it doesn't you know, no. it's really forced like, there's even no humour here even yeah. for us there is nothing here. <laughs> yeah you're right it's a, it's a, it's a bad racket oh. to get into We shouldn't be courting any more puns, that's for sure. Oh, that's terrible. Yeah, you've really hit the baseline now. Yeah. Um, uh, that's, uh, the, I told- that's the service I try and provide. Oh, dear. 
Um, I I also wrote about American Gods there. I oh, right. Okay. That yeah, page. Yeah, yeah, that was fun. Okay. Um, sorry, I'm just looking through. And of course, that's another thing that Ian McShane has coming up. He will be he playing does. Mr. Wednesday in that, which is extremely exciting. He does. Um, uh, we have, what else do we have? We have a report about Jordan Peele's new movie, yeah. Get Out, which is not a comedy, but a very timely political horror. Uh, we have an on-set report from King Arthur, Legend of the Sword. Uh, the Pile of Milk this month is Dame Joan Collins. That is amazing. Which is astonishing. Uh, and no, we didn't ask her how hairy her arse was because we draw a line somewhere. There's got to be a line. I didn't ask, for example... Down the middle, presumably. Oh, no. Oh, no. 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 No to that. Uh, it's not too late to have the DVD recalled from the sale. <laughs> Just remember that. Uh, no, I didn't ask uh, De Niro how hairy his arse was when I did milk with him. Because there's just... He, he was in Dirty Grandpa. Like, there's... You I know. know. I think he'd have been fine with it. I don't think he would have been fine with it. I think it would have been the end of the phone call. I always leave that question to the very end anyway. Do we, I mean, what are the... Can you think off your top of your head, what are the times when that's gone the most awry? Uh, it hasn't ever gone awry for me. Mm-hmm. It went awry for Phil when he interviewed Eric Cantona <laughs> yes. and he said, how hairy is your uh, arse? And Eric Cantona thought he was asking, how hairy is your house? Yes. <laughs> On a scale of 1 to 10. No, no. The bigger problem was that he omitted the uh, suffix. So it was not how hairy is your ass on a scale of 1 to 10. He just said, how hairy is your ass? Please describe in as many adjectives as possible <laughs> the thicket surrounding your buttocks. Uh, yeah, that, right. that went a bit wrong for him. Well, Phil also interviewed Dame John Collins for this. I was privileged. In fact, I think most of us were to be sitting next to him when he was doing this interview. Mm. This is a very, very strange thing. I mean, I don't... Do I don't do interviews on the uh, on 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 the phone in the office? No, you don't, because I don't like people listening to my and laughing at you interview style, and which is weird. Says a man who does interviews publicly for the podcast, but that anyway, it's a little foible of mine. But Phil just happily did it, and he talked to Dame Joan Collins, and we helped, we stopped at one mm. point with it because he started talking about camel porn. <laughs> <laughs> And all you heard yeah. from Phil, obviously you, you can hear uh, John Collins' side of the conversation, but you hear you hear, you hear Phil going, "Yeah, so uh, yeah, do you do you watch camel porn? Is that something? Uh, no, okay. <laughs> what the hell is happening here? <laughs> She's a dame, Phil. Have some respect. <laughs> How did it come up? I want to know. But it's it's he was so polite about it. It's not are you watching camel porn? It's are you watching camel porn? Dame Joan. Dame Joan. No, he was yeah, Dame Joan, never do you mind? less than respectful. No, he's, he's a gentleman. He's an absolute gentleman. And then one last thing, but in terms of the uh, the hard sell, uh, a, the review section at the back of the magazine, uh, the Empire Viewing Guide is Doctor Strange, where Scott Derrickson, the director, talks us through some of the film's key moments. The Empire masterpiece is Blowout. Hayley Cowell talking about that. We have an exclusive Q&A with... John Waters talking about Multiple Maniacs, which is perhaps one of his lesser-known films. Uh, Helen here Hi. spoke to uh, Denis Villeneuve. Denis Villeneuve, yes. And uh, the production Patrice Center. Villemette. Patrice your French is so good. Merci. Uh, Patrick Fermat um, about the creating the heptapod language for Arrival. Mm. Lenny James, this month's Best of Times, Worst of Times. There's a really interesting feature on all the different gunfights at the OK Corral throughout the years. Uh, and uh, it's, yeah, all good. Oh, and there's a massive, massive piece uh, with Ken Loach, Hayley Squires and Dave Johns talking about I, Daniel Blake, and yes, a certain film critic, not of this parish, is mentioned. Right, so there you go. That 
is a cracking issue. Yes, get it's after a good it. issue. Get after it. Uh, four pounds fifty right now. All good and evil news agents on sale for the next four weeks or so. Do it. I got this. <laughs> right. Should we talk about some other movie news? Other yes. movie news, What yes. is there? What could possibly exceed the new issue of Empire? There have been three The Predator stories this week. Three. Mm. Which is unusual. Three. Three, three. The Predator, yeah. Not. not Neither pre- to four nor to two shall you count, you but go. to three shall be the number. <laughs> well, quite. Uh, yeah, three. So there was first of all there was the cast shot, which showed them all together, mm-hmm. including wee little Tremblay. Uh, wee little Tremblay. Actually, you said weird little Tremblay. <laughs> no, I was like, that's getting he's strangely personal. Weird. He's just wee. He is very wee, and you it's know. kind of yeah, it's it's almost it's very alarming to see someone that small and vulnerable in the cast and of a Predator movie, he, he unless out, he is actually Predator. You, well, that's what I'm saying. He was out of costume. As oh, as a Predator. Oh, that's <laughs> good. Um, that's fine. You know, he's wearing a little yellow anorak. But yeah, so Tremblay, that was, but that was quite sweet. And then we had two casting confirmations. We had Yvonne Strahov. Who I will eternally associate with Chuck. Naturally. Uh, and um, uh, uh, Theon Greyjoy, aka Alfie Allen. Alfie Allen, yes. Yeah. Do you want to tell your Alfie Allen story? Can I? <laughs> oh, God. Uh, is, this, is this a good thing to share? We um, put it in the magazine. Did we? Yeah. Really? Yeah. I missed that. Okay, so my Alfie Allen story. This uh, <laughs> we I was out on a on a press trip in LA, and we were at the Chateau Marmont. Now, anyone knows the Chateau Marmont is a posh place where lots of famous people go. Uh, but for those of you who are, who are not posh, you can't go into the hotel. You go into the little bar that's attached to it, uh, where liggers and hangers on drink, um, which is where we were. But oh, I think sorry, like, they put you there. What in the liggers and hangers the on? James I, Dyer. This was prior to my becoming the triumphant <laughs> James Dyer. His apotheosis. Um, yeah. So. Uh, <laughs> He is becoming. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, uh, we were there and we were having a few drinks and I did the classic bar thing. I turned around and I spilled someone's pint. Um, As it turns out, it wasn't a pint. It was a very expensive cocktail and it was indeed held by Alfie Allen. No. And he had had, I think, I... Uh, and Helen, as my lawyer, you could sense me as I, I believe it is my belief he had maybe had several of these previously, uh, for he was in his cups, as it were, uh, and he took it ill. And I've turned into Shakespeare. I'm not sure why. Um, no, he, he wasn't. He wasn't did, you my, did you bite your thumb at me, sir? <laughs> yeah, that's I what did he bite said. my thumb, sir. <laughs> A plague on both your houses. Um, yeah, no, he got he he got a bit grumpy that I'd spilled his cocktail, and we had that sort of classic thing: the "Did you spill my drink? <laughs> you spilled my drink!" And it went back to boards, and I got quite British and apologised to him, uh, and 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 was quite contrite about the whole thing, even though I'm literally three feet taller than him. <laughs> uh, uh, you know, really, I was just like, "Yeah, yeah, that's right. Come on, and winter is coming, motherfucker. Come on, bring it." Uh, no, it, it wasn't like that at all. I apologised profusely, and he accepted my apology, and we went our separate ways. Wow, um, that's a great ending to yeah, that anecdote. It didn't end in brawling through the streets of LA, I'm, I'm sorry yeah. to say. Oh. In fairness, when I said, tell me your Alfie Allen story, I remembered it being more interesting. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm glad you shared it. Yeah. Now we just have to decide whether we keep it in <laughs> or not. But we left enough cutting points. I hate you both. <laughs> okay. So the Predator. I'm wildly excited about this. I'm very, very... Uh, on board Shane Black as you know I worship the ground he walks on which makes it awkward for him it really does I've been in those interviews and oh my goodness yeah yeah Yeah. I think there's a grudging mutual respect 
Right. Yeah, I think. I think. I think you should try doing the interview from a sitting position rather than hugging his feet. Yeah. Next time, I think that might help. Yeah, humping his leg was perhaps. It was a little far. A little far. Yeah. Uh, but uh, he's amazing. I think he's a great, great screenwriter, and I think he's pretty much three for three. Nice guys had some. Yeah issues as a director as well and the fact that he's returning to the Predator or to Predator uh, the film of course which effectively launched him all those years ago uh, although he exited stage right fairly quickly left? stage left? stage right stage left pursued by stage left but what happens if you're pursued by a Predator? do you go stage left or stage right? it's whichever way you know that seems safest I guess <laughs> I don't know <laughs> so I'm excited about this the cast is very very good so you've got the likes of uh, Trevante Rhodes Trevante Rhodes from Moonlight amazing yep. uh, who plays um, the older uh, Chiron Black in uh, in Moonlight uh, we also have Sterling K. Brown uh, This Is Us incredible in The People vs. OJ uh, yeah, he was very good in that. I yeah. haven't seen This Is Us, and people rave about that show. Mm. Uh, and Boyd Holbrook, and we'll be talking about him later on when we mm. talk about Logan. Uh, he's a really, really great up-and-coming actor as well. Uh, Jacob, little, little tiny, little Jacob Tremblay, uh, and uh, Olivia Munn. And who else? There's one other person who was in that cast. There was one other person. I was trying to get the picture up, and it wouldn't come. Uh, Keegan-Michael Key. Keegan-Michael Key. Now, that's interesting, because he's obviously traditionally known as a comedian but then so is his comedic partner Jordan Peele and look what he's doing exactly. and you can read about that in the pages of Empire magazine <gasps> just £4.50 bringing it full All circle amazing good and evil news agents uh, Jane Bo Jane Bo J- Jane Bo Jane Bo uh, you are uh, it's fair to say I'm probably the biggest Shane Black fan in the office but yeah, you are I would say an even bigger Predator fan than me they call and Helen, me you love Predator as I well love but Predator. he is yeah. I think it's fair to say the numero uno Predator Rono they do call me the demon that makes trophies of men <laughs> that we've, was we've, don't we've, do we've, it we've talked, we've talked about this <laughs> <laughs> yeah okay okay yeah no uh, but it is, it's a brilliant film it's just it's so it's so good it's so ludicrously testosterone-driven that I just find it in, in, intensely soothing and relaxing <laughs> to watch. What I love about it is they were picking out guns for people, and for Jesse Ventura, they pulled a gun off a helicopter, off a helicopter <laughs> and said, "Jesse, do you want to just carry this thing around?" They had to. Ho- it was literally held by a crane, and the ammunition was was housed on a giant, like three foot high behind him yeah I mean it's ludicrous but that then became part of video game culture movie culture like miniguns are de rigueur yeah. and it's all because of Old Painless I mean it's just it's it's spectacular it is it that really film is. is just amazing it is the most quotable of all Arnie's films <laughs> it is oh it's godly oh it's so good so many great lines and it's that stripped down kind of um, ridiculous propulsiveness of it that you know that you've got to hope that Shane Black still has I mean because he'll bring the humour we know that he's got the great mm-hmm. lines we know that mm-hmm. but just the the sheer macho ridiculous oomph of it I just I the mid-air arm wrestle just kind of lays oh, out yeah. the stall doesn't it like for no reason bulging whatsoever. rippling I mean it's just but the thing is, is that <laughs> you okay that, <laughs> do, you to, oh, do you want to take a moment came over all funny uh, the thing is though, that that franchise has been dragged through the mud quite a lot I mean it's suffered a great many indignities mm. since that first film came out I mean I have a soft spot for Predator 2 it's, it's not a bad film at all it's a very different film it's not as good but it's it's not bad but mm. you've had Alien vs Predator the second well, Alien vs Predator you've had yeah. I enjoyed 
favourite predators? Uh, and yeah. I can say from your I reaction that you're it. on the same. <laughs> <laughs> I did watch um, at least most of it again recently when I just flicked on TV and there it was. And yeah. it's, 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 not, it's fine. It's not great, though. I think it? it does, you know, it's. I think it probably would have been better had they been able to fulfill their original plan and have Arnie as Dutch in the Lawrence Fishburne role, which I believe was the intention initially. Mm-hmm. And if that had happened, I don't that, think that would have helped. That would have been really cool, I think. Well, I, I mean, enjoyed it. It was a good, solid Predator movie. I mean, we're going to talk about the other great monster of that sort of ilk uh, in a minute because there's also Alien Covenant mm-hmm. news this week. But mm-hmm. um, I think both of those have suffered some diminishing sequels, and it has not ultimately diminished the original. And I think what both franchises are trying to do is go back to what made the original work as well as it did and try and recapture some of that magic while bringing something new to it and if they can this could be a really exciting year for both Alien and Predator but not necessarily Alien versus Predator fans that's that's never speak of Alien versus Predator either of those movies again it's it's a real toss up which one of those is the worst movie Uh, I think it's the second one I think Requiem is just Mm. it's an Mm. abomination Uh, as is a Predalien at oh, the end of the film, yeah. but uh, yeah, they're, they're just they're just lamentable. But going back to the idea of Shane Black doing this, uh, someone who was a cast member in the first movie, directing a sequel to that movie, thirty years on. Mm. Uh, what if Alien Covenant hadn't been directed by Ridley Scott, but what if it had been directed by one of the members of the cast of Aliens? Now, which one would you want that to be? Al Matthews. <laughs> Al Matthews. Sure, why not? Okay. <laughs> um, Paul Reiser's Alien Covenant. Ooh, Think that of would it. be good. <laughs> Think of it. Has he shown any talent behind the camera? I don't know, but I just know. <laughs> I just know it would be great. Well, glad we've got that sorted then. Hey, Alien Covenant, though. Um, they have released, first of all, the cast shot of the crew of the the Covenant, the mm. ship. Um, and uh, they're all gathered around. Uh, I know a little bit about that well some of it's been posted online in the, the other news which was a clip about four minutes long was released this morning so this is the clip of the crew of the Covenant which is also carrying colonists but the crew having their sort of last supper having successfully launched the ship set it on course everything seems to be going well so they're about to go into cryosleep so that's kind of that scene and we see um, M- Michael Fassbender's AI Walter checking them all over before they go into cryosleep um, mm-hmm. uh, you may have picked up on it from that clip I think you probably have they're all couples the idea is that this is a colony so they haven't sent off any single people uh, because we all know what happens when they do that they turn into Chris Pratt and go a bit nuts um, so instead they've sent off uh, paired up couples and and that gives it a little bit of an interesting flavour it'll be interesting to see how that plays out when they all start let's face it dying horribly what? I also love the fact that if you look at the Alien Covenant badge in one of the pictures, the stills that they've released, there is quite a close-up of the badge. Uh, if you look at the image at the bottom of that of that sort of uh, logo, you may recognise something from Raiders of the Lost Ark. What? What is it? Well, it's the the Ark of the Covenant, basically. The it's the Ark, the Ark of the Covenant with the with angel things on top with the wings touching. It's is the it? big gold suitcase. Oh, the big gold. Why are you yeah, saying that? I'm sorry. Indiana Jones and the Big Gold Suitcase. That's what that film's called. Raiders of the Big Gold Suitcase. (laughs) Uh, I'm excited about Alien Covenant. I've decided, though, from this point forward, I am not going to watch any more clips. I'm not going to watch any more trailers because I don't want to know anything else. I've seen the first trailer and it 
is pretty explicit in the fate of a major character and I just in fact fate of several characters yes. and I don't want to know going in I just I don't want to know I, I knew a lot as you do about Alien Covenant I think mm. I knew a lot about Prometheus going into Prometheus and it does take something away I think of you and sometimes Look, it's unavoidable I mean one of do. us has to take this bullet for each of these big films you yes know, this, so. this adamantium bullet this magic bullet alright enough of your X-Men Origins Wolverine fandom Chris Magic Bullet is a JFK reference, Helen. I think you'll find. Yeah, but the Adamantium mm. one wasn't. Mm. Well, that's true. Mm. And it could have been a Reduce Shakespeare Company reference. It could have been. They do it it could have been. Uh, but I'm still very... I'm I'm as excited about this as... Can be. Yeah. Okay. Uh, should we talk about Hellboy 3? Because yes, oh. it's not happening. It's not happening. Yeah. Mm. It's not happening. And that's from Guillermo himself yeah. having apparently talked to everybody involved. So um, all of those of you still holding out hope, um, and I think it was an increasingly frail hope, if I'm honest, uh, that that hope can now be laid. He tweeted, and I quote, Hellboy 3, sorry to report, spoke with all parties, must report that 100% the sequel will not happen, and that is to be the final thing about it. Wow. Sounds pretty definitive. It does rather sound definitive. But hey, you know, stranger things have happened in Hollywood. Yeah, it, it, it sounds like some sort of chicanery has been going on behind the scenes. Yeah. Maybe some people disagree. Maybe the studio holds the rights, didn't really want to spend the money for whatever Hellboy 3 would have been. We can imagine it would have been pretty big and pretty apocalyptic at, in certain places. Mm. Who knows? Maybe there were creative wrangles. But, uh, you know, maybe also it's been a while since Hellboy 2. And perhaps the, the the number crunchers, the bean counters, looked at it and went, well, if this film comes out in 2018, 2019, almost a decade after the last one, yeah, perhaps people won't know what Hellboy is, and that's a bit of a risk. But it's a shame, because uh, we know how much the character means to Guillermo and to Ron Perlman. And um, it's also something really easy to ask him in interviews. <laughs> when You're you just going to have to work harder, Chris. Come of on. questions. You just go, Hellboy 3? And then that's you're, you're good. Yeah, little sorry, insight into my interview technique there, <laughs> and that's why he doesn't do them in the office. <laughs> yeah. um, speaking of monsters, though, which a Hellboy isn't—that's a bit—that's a bit harsh. But uh, oh. Godzilla, uh, King of the Monsters, sorry, King of Monsters, is uh, is ramping up. Obviously, in the meantime, we've got Kong Skull Island to come. Um, but Godzilla King of the Monsters will be out uh, twenty eighteen, and then followed by Kong versus Godzilla in twenty twenty. I think is the plan. Um, but there has been some casting news. We already had Millie Bobby Brown of Stranger Things on board. We now have the excellent Kyle Chandler joining her. So that's good news. I mean, I assume he plays her dad. He just tends to play dads. Uh, I may be wrong, but it's probably a dad. Uh, and we have Krampus's Michael Doherty directing uh, from a script that he wrote with Zach Shields. So that's kind of most of what we have. Um, Ken Watanabe may be back reprising his role from 2014 but that isn't officially confirmed yet. Mm-hmm. Oh, sorry, King of the Monsters is a King of Monsters is 2019, not 2018. Okay, which makes more sense. Okay, cast coming together. We like Kyle Chandler; he's very, very good. We Michael love Doherty him. Yeah, he's, is... he's great in Manchester by the Sea. If you haven't seen that already, yeah. he he obviously has to stretch there to play somebody called Joe Chandler. I know it's <laughs> it's tough. It's 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 a it's a job, and he manages. Yeah, he does. He certainly does. Uh, just a couple of last things before we move on. Uh, so we 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 had some speculation on the podcast recently that the Mummy, which is coming out this year, is the first of the Universal uh, Monsters franchise that is being relaunched 
uh, which will have Dracula and the Wolfman and all sorts of stuff. Uh-huh. And there was some speculation because remember when Tom Cruise was attached to a Van Helsing movie as well? Yes. And then that, that went away and then someone on Twitter suggested it and uh, I like the idea that Tom Cruise might actually be playing in, dis- uh, in disguise or stealth or however you want to say it, uh, Van Helsing in, or he'll be revealed to be Van Helsing in The Mummy and then will go on to star in all the other movies and fight all the other universal monsters. He's a sort of John Harrison Van Helsing. Is what yes. Okay. Uh, I'm not sure if this news knocks out for six or not, but uh, so a new writer, Dan Mazo, who wrote Wrath of the Titans, uh, is coming on to write Universal's Van Helsing movie. He's replacing uh, two good writers, Eric Heisserer uh, and uh, John Spates. Oh, right, okay. Um, of uh, Arrival and Prometheus, respectively. Yes, right? one of whom may well win an Oscar this yeah. this weekend. Uh, and the other one, of course, is John Spates. Uh, and Dan Mazo, I, you know, it's interesting. He's certainly, he's on board. He's writing it. But is he writing it for Tom Cruise? We if, don't know. If your theory were right, yes, and Cruz were a stealth Van Helsing, yes, it's not my theory. Okay, the, the theory. I don't then remember whose theory it is. Wouldn't you I'm go sorry. from the mummy into a Van Helsing to? You might. You do might. That. You could do you that. You might. You could do that. Um, there is a slightly higher brow, possibly ah. news. However, Martin Scorsese's new film mm-hmm. is uh, is headed to Netflix. The Irishman, mm-hmm. uh, which is not really about an Irishman, it's about a mob hitman called Frank the Irishman Sheeran. Um, is now headed to Netflix so this yes. is a sort of big budget movie and I guess you know to get the kind of freedom that he wants and let's, let's face it deserves he's going with Netflix for that so uh, this is a reunion with Robert De Niro who would be playing uh, Sheeran presumably um, and this is the guy who's allegedly responsible for killing Jimmy Hoffa it's going to be very interesting and this of course has a, a mocap component where we'll see mm-hmm. a younger version of De Niro and maybe a younger version of Al Pacino as well and possibly even Joe Pesci if they do indeed sign on a line that is dotted and this is a fascinating move as well yeah. to go to Netflix because this is a movie Scorsese's been trying to make for a long long time he has a deal in place at Paramount who have been very very uh, good partners to him I think over the last few years in The Wolf of Wall Street and Silence they certainly give him his head but yeah. are Netflix going to give him his head in an even greater way and give him complete and utter freedom. Uh, and Netflix seemed to be positioning themselves now as some sort of haven for filmmakers. Uh, I certainly saw some people suggest that maybe that's where Hellboy 3 might end up if Guillermo wanted to take it there. I don't think it's up to him. No. I think that's why it's not happening. Um, but it's certainly very interesting. Now, of course, the downside of this is that if you start giving filmmakers complete and utter carte blanche or Cape Blanchette, then... Heaven's Gate could happen. I'm not saying that that's a bad thing now because obviously we look at Heaven's Gate and we think it's a classic. But yeah. United Artists and it, back in the at the tail end of the 70s, it's the perennial 80s. problem of filmmaking, isn't it? Yeah. It's uh, they're expensive th- um, collaborations to do to accomplish, and sometimes they go perfectly wrong. And and to be honest, I mean, I was reading an article yesterday saying which was rather inside baseball, talking about Paramount's sort of. A difficult year last year. Um, with chairman Brad Gray has just left. Chairman Brad yeah. Gray has just left. They're they're not entirely sure who's going to be the new chairman yet. So there's a there's a little bit it. of flux there, which may be. You're, you're, we'll you're, do it. Okay. Well, wait, James, you offer it. Uh, I'm just like I'm busy, man. I've Fair got off. stuff, you know. Just you know. I can't just drop everything. Go, Chris. I have many many public appointments that I now need to uh, fulfill. <laughs> so. Your calendar is full. I'm excited about this, though, and I think anything that, that gives Scorsese and De Niro a chance to team up is good. Yeah, that is exciting. Book. Okay, so, 
Time now for this week's guest. Yes? Yes. 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 Uh, Gore Fabinski is one of the most visually inventive directors in Hollywood, I would argue. Uh, across a long career containing the likes of Mouse Hunt The Weatherman the first three Pirates of the Caribbean movies and The Lone Ranger uh, he's moved away from the big budget realm for perhaps understandable reasons given the reception meted out to The Lone Ranger with this week's oddball horror A Cure for Wellness which features Dane DeHaan Jason Isaacs hello to Jason Isaacs and uh, plenty of creepy eels uh, ironically enough I needed a cure for illness when I went along to interview him, uh, as you will soon find out. Uh, enjoy. It's, I'm, like, I'm not sick during the interview, but I was beforehand. Thanks. Ew. I mean, I didn't... No, please, don't explain okay. further. Here's Gore Fabinski. Uh, we're delighted to be joined on the Empire Podcast by the director of A Cure for Wellness, Mr. Gore Fabinski. How are you, sir? I'm great. How are you doing? <laughs> not too bad. I'm not too bad. Uh, you're a bit jet-lagged. A little bit, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm not quite sure where we are right now. But oh, really? Okay. Uh, we'll get through it. We're in a lovely hotel suite. We're in London. a hotel suite. Yeah, there yes. we go. It, this you. is something we don't see very often yeah. these days, which is a, a, a true original based on nothing but based your own on, dark imagination. Yeah, yeah they're, t- they're tough to get made these days, not having a, you know, a theme park ride or a... Or you know, a toy or a, you know, a book or some sort of superhero. Yes. Um, but uh, somehow, I'm not quite sure how, we were we were sort of left alone. We went to Germany and made this little contemporary gothic nightmare. How did it come about? Uh, working with Justin Haith, the writer, we just were, we were sort of playing with this idea that, you know, narrative as a, as a sort of disease, as a kind of sickness. Mm-hmm. Um, we were big fans of, of movies of the 70s where... There was really a sense of something inevitable happening in um, in the narrative, and and almost like it's an invisible force, or like a black spot on your X-ray, and yeah. a sort of cancer that's that's pulling the camera down the corridor and pulling the protagonist towards his epiphany, and we're just sort of playing with with those ideas, and that led to this this sort of health spa in the Alps that was. You know, slightly borrowed from Thomas Mann's The Magic Mountain, but then kind of perverted and corrupted in which a wrong way. Which we see at one point. We see the character. Yeah, reading. yeah. We've got one of the people who work at the at the Institute reading the book in the background there, if, okay. you're, if you're paying attention. <laughs> which I was, point for me. <laughs> there we go. So, um, so the, the idea comes about, it's interesting that you said, it's interesting that you said uh, 70s paranoid mm. thrillers. So I imagine you're thinking about movies like The Parallax View, Three Days of the Condor in a, in a, in a strange way, is well, it? Well, more, uh, there's this... The conversation, there's, maybe? There's a it? film by Polanski called The Tenant. Oh, of course. Which has always been one of my my favorite movies. And um, uh-huh. Joseph Losey's The Servant. Uh-huh. Uh, these sort of psychological... Um, don't Look Now, of course. Yes. And, uh, uh, yeah, there's just a real, you know... There's a sense of um, overt style in those films but it's not like somebody's wearing the wrong dress to the party you know it's really in service of the narrative but um, so really you know composition and sound become very important so you feel like you're you know everything has a kind of purpose and intention even though the protagonist might be oblivious or in denial in this case Um, you know the, 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 the the sort of story itself is conspiring you know yes absolutely Uh, I I Detected, or I thought it detected, anyway. Notes of, of, uh, of some of the great horror films. Uh, there were elements yeah. of, yeah, Wicker I mean, Man. There's a lot of, 
hammer horror in this movie yeah. for me. Uh, the Shining is in there as well. Is the Innocence. Do you know that film? The I Innocence. Know the Innocence. Yeah. A beautiful movie. Yeah. Um, yeah. That was. I love that tune in The Innocence that she sings. Mm. The, the Willow, Willow song. It's beautiful. So, um, yeah. We, you know, look. I think if you wanted to make a giraffe with an alligator's head you'd have to have seen a giraffe and an alligator so uh, we're kind of you know we're, we're this is a language that that i grew up with and you know um and and we're sort of bringing it to bear i mean the thing about the genre that's really really fun is you know you're we get to conduct a psychological experiment on people in a darkened room mm. um you you're observing uh, dane's character lockhart as he kind of arrives at this place and reluctantly becomes a patient at the sanatorium but really you're the patient you know yes. and and we're sort of preying upon your your motivation to discover and um and i think you you know you're letting us in you put uh dane to through hell on earth during the, the, this movie yeah uh, but he's young <laughs> he's malleable yes he's eager <laughs> Uh, yeah, we did. He was a trooper. I mean, he's in almost every scene, so there wasn't really, there's no time in the trailer, you know. Yeah. He's just on set from mm-hmm. dusk till dawn. And it's, it's, it's tough psychologically, it's tough physically. Uh, as, a, as a director, are there ever times you feel, oh, maybe pushing him a bit too far, or do you... Well, there was a moment when we had him strapped um, in the tank, you know, where the reflection was sort of leaving his body, you uh-huh. know, and... Um, and so the water has to rise and he has to remain horizontal and he was harnessed in and wired into the tank itself and the water's rising and um you know we have we're shooting in germany and i don't speak german and we have you know there's a german safety divers are in the tank and we uh we have so we have a series of hand signals um and there's the definitely you know slit your throat like i want out and there's the th- which is you know, binary and then there's the thumbs up or the yeah. okay sign everything's good and then there was this sign which was sort of the kind of waving your hand back and forth slightly okay. and it was sort of like something's wrong i'm not sure what it is sure um so that was being used a lot and we're rolling and i was like what's what's the problem what's the problem well the as the water's rising right he can't equalize Right. Of course. Can't, he's got a mask on. Yes. So the pressure in his ears was getting worse and worse. And finally, we had to, the divers had to come in and, and cut him out. We have not, there's like, the emergency release was basically a knife, oh you know, God. cutting the cables. Um, <laughs> and he got to the surface and, you know, it was 10 minutes of kind of, okay, that's not a very good signal when it sort of doesn't tell you exactly what's wrong. It's, yeah. Um, and we're rolling and the water's rising and there's massive pumps filling this tank. So it's vis- rising quite quickly. Um, so yeah, things like that, you know, falling off a bike, one of the cast on, on the back of a bike and sort of hopping on one foot. Um, yeah, we put him through, we put him through a lot, you know, um, but he was a, game. I'm reminded of Sam Raimi with Bruce Campbell on the Evil Dead movies who used to take just great pride in torturing Bruce as much as he possibly could he would poke him with sticks and, ah, <laughs> and, right. and twigs and branches you haven't quite gone well, that far I didn't, we didn't really need to I mean, it, was sort of, <laughs> it was all on the page um, it was all there um, can I ask as well uh, about Jason Isaacs you've cast a national treasure uh, uh, I don't know if you're aware of how revered Jason Isaacs is in this country we hold parades in his honour every, uh, every, every well, July I, I like to poke him with sticks <laughs> No, Jason is. Uh, look, I've been a I've been a fan forever. I mean, he's he's masterful and and 
delicious. I mean, that's the word that comes to mind. Um, and, you know, we talked a lot, Jason and I talked a lot about Vollmer was almost pulling back on that deliciousness um, because um, I think the real horror of this place is, you know, the louder you scream, there's somebody offering you a, a terry cloth robe and, and, a, yeah. and a pair of slippers and saying it's wonderful. Um, so there's a kind of cult-like... Uh, and the, and for a cult leader to be, to to sort of get you drinking the Kool Aid, uh, he has to be, um, he has to care. And I think the sort of thing we sort of that was key to that performance was that there's a real cost to to helping these people, to healing these people. It's a calling, and that every you know his concern is is genuine. And mm. I think, you know. Um, uh, I remember being a kid and, and, and sent to the principal's office, very young, like seven years old. Or and the principal was just this figure of, of, of power, this tall, bald, bald man and, um, and scary. And so your defenses are up and you're kind of sitting in the principal's office going, you know, I'm, I'm so angry at my teacher and what she said. And, what I'm, you know, you, and then he you know, sits down at the desk and he just says, is everything okay at home? You know, and you just start crying. You know, <laughs> there's something about that, you know, the unexpected turn, and and yeah. not playing him in any way as a as a villain, really. Yes. Um, and the best villains, I think, are, are right. You yeah. know, and I think, with with the exception of this one, uh, you know, f- slight flaw uh, in Volmer, the, the sort of purification um, obsession, uh, he's correct about his diagnosis about modern man. And, and about Lockhart in particular. So um, the, the movie's really, you know, two worlds. And I don't think Lockhart or Hannah really belong in either of them. How much of this movie was a response to the experience you went through on The Lone Ranger? Was there something that, that played in your... In well, you know, it was nice to, to step away from... Look, we, the movie's not for everybody, you know? And I think when you make a movie that's based on... A big ride or, or an uh, intellectual property that is, you know, has those expectations. Certainly, you get the means. <clears throat> you can't, you can't do what David Lean did today without, you know, without that, without some sort of giant robot in your movie or God knows what. <laughs> so you're not going to get, the, you know. So you have, um, it's a double-edged sword, you know. Um, I, but you have to kind of. You know, the, the, that's the kind of the four quadrant movie, right? Yeah, of course. So, yes. uh, I think when you make a movie like this, you can say, "Look, it's not for you." Like, you know, you can take a uh, not not a not an age bracket or a, a male or female, or but a sort of user profile. You know, yes. if you will, you can sort of say, "If you if you don't like these types of movies, don't don't come." We didn't. We made it for a price where we're okay if you don't come. You know yes. what I mean? But. We want to. F- we wants to find its champions, um, and and I think they're out there. You know. Yeah. So it is liberating. Coming, you know. Yeah. I think it's a kind of a reboot. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. That's what I was driving at it because that experience. I don't know how much you want to talk about the Lone Ranger now, or whether whether what happened hurts because it feels from the outside looking in. And we had Army Hammer on the podcast as well, or we will have. It's due out in March. Uh, talk about what he felt going through that as well, where you feel that you're on a movie and suddenly the whole world is ganging up against you yeah. before they've even seen it. Yeah. As a director of that, what was that experience like? Well, you have to be, look, you have to, you live by the sword, you die by the sword. I mean, yep. you could, you know, 
you know, one year you're getting the Academy Award for an animation movie that you had, you had no idea how to make an animated movie. You just did it, you know. <laughs> and the next, you know, then you're being lynched, and you know, that's part of the that's part of the gig. I mean, you have to hit, approach every movie like it's your last. Um, we certainly, when we were making a, a, the first Pirates of the Caribbean film, I. I Everybody said you're crazy. You're making a pirate movie. Those don't work, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're constantly tinkering with things and 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 you know hoping that something blows up in your face. And um, <laughs> you don't, you know. I I, I I don't know how to describe it except that um, these are opportunities to learn and um, to try new things and to try to find that boundary where you're 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 nervous. You're not sure if you're um, going to pull it off. And certainly taking, uh, you know, the sort of beloved Lone Ranger narrative and, and, and saying, you know, let's tell it from Tonto's perspective. Um, you know, that that was going to, you know, I don't know what it was exactly, but for me that was what the exciting part of it was, you know, mm. to sort of kind of invert the whole narrative. Um, and so I was very passionate about it and, and, and I still enjoy the movie. So... The, you try to, you know, get into that same spirit you've you've had on any movie when you approach it, which is you're going to put everything you possibly can into it, and then, you know, the releasing of the movie is a completely different. It's a it's a different. You know, I, I don't, I, I can't think in those terms while you're making it. You know, so yeah. just trying to make a good story. Yeah, and I guess uh, Army said as well that uh, he's experienced over the years since the movie came out a lot of people coming up to him and saying they loved it and it's one of their favourite films and has the same happened to you? Have you found that yeah. there's been this, this Yeah, I think that there's been a there's been a real sort of you know, everybody jumped on the kind of hate it wagon and then and then, you know, I think people some people have actually watched it, you know with it, like, <laughs> like, didn't sort of read Rotten Tomatoes or whatever and just sort of came up with their own uh, perspective and that's always that's always nice, yeah. The IMDb, in his infinite wisdom, says your next movie is Untitled Gore Verbinski Project. Is this true? Yeah, it is an Untitled <laughs> Gore Verbinski Project, yeah. What can you say about that? What's next for you? Uh, I, I actually have a few things that uh, I'm cooking that are all have been on the back burner that, um, uh, you know, as soon as we're done with this press tour, I'm going to be sitting with a, with a, a few really talented writers and we're going to kind of get back to work. So I don't know which one of them will actually be next. Okay, interesting. But no spa treatments for you? No, I'm going to take a break from the spa. <laughs> Fair enough. Gore Fabinski, it's been a pleasure. Thank, thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thank you. And now a word about our sponsor, mustard.co.uk. Life's all about options, but when it comes to getting the right car, fan or motorbike insurance, how do you know you've chosen the right policy? Well, at mustard.co.uk, their online price guarantee means you get exactly what you need from some of the best deals on the market. When it comes to getting you great insurance, you can count on mustard.co.uk. So whoever you are, whatever you drive, get comparing and see if you can get covered for less with mustard.co.uk. Okay, time for the week's reviews. Let's start with Logan, which is out next Wednesday. Normally we talk about it in next week's podcast, but why not? Let's do it now. Let's do it now uh, because there's no embargo. And one of the reasons there's no embargo is because it's very, very good. It's and, really good. And this is, of course... This is the final swan song, if you will, for Hugh Jackman as Wolverine, as Logan. It is. Um, and uh, and he wanted to go out with a bang, and I think he has done that. So this is uh, set in about 2029. Um, 
Logan is older. He's slowing down. Uh, the metal in his body is essentially poisoning him and his healing factor has slowed enough that it's now struggling to cope. He is working as a limo driver and in a border town in the US and looking after Professor X, who is now 90-something mm-hmm. and living uh, in a makeshift facility south of the border and he's basically hustling for the money to keep uh, keep him in medication and uh, this kind of hard scrabble life is slightly upturned when he meets a young girl called um, Laura who's played by Daphne Keane who's astonishing uh, she is on the run and uh, while Logan wants absolutely nothing to do with her whatsoever he is sort of forced to to step up and get involved in this girl's life um, essentially by Charles's um Influence um, and circumstance, and uh, and the three of them are basically on the run from uh, Donald Pierce, who's played by Hoy- Ho- Boyd Holbrook, um, and and his Reavers, and they have to go on the run. This is a world where no new mutants have been born in about twenty five years, yet Laura seems to have mutant abilities. What's going on? And then it goes from there. It goes from there, indeed. Um, what do we make of it? I think it's triumphant. <laughs> but in all seriousness can we have a moratorium on that word of this podcast yes we can uh, no I, I loved it I thought it was great um, I'm, I have mixed feelings by which I mean I hate the former two Wolverine movies uh, but this is just <laughs> so good and just uh, the whole emotional tone of it is completely different I mean it's been referred to as the Marvel movie for people who hate Marvel movies um, which is reductive but there's an element of that to it you know it has a bit of Unforgiven in it it's got a bit of Shane in it it's got a little bit of Little Miss Sunshine in it. A little but bit of The Wrestler as well. Yes, indeed. Yeah. I mean, it's it, he's old, he's cantankerous, you know, he's not the kind of immortal, you know, scrapping Logan that we've come to sort of know and love. And, and the relationship that he has with... X twenty three spoilers uh, with Laura is is fantastic. You know, it's 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 really emotional. It has um, if any of you have played The Last of Us, it has a lot of that in it. The mm. Joel and Ellie relationship, um, really. And I I I'm not ashamed to say that, that I, I shed a tear at one point in that film. Did uh, you? Yeah, I did indeed. So when I stole your popcorn, yeah. <laughs> no, it is. It's really good. I I think so. I did the interviews obviously with these people for this film um, a few months back, and it is really really good to see. Sometimes you know you go and you talk to people about their hopes for a film and what they're planning to do and what they're trying to achieve with the film, mm. and you see the finished result and it, and it hasn't lived up to that and it hasn't done what they set out to do for various reasons. It's usually just things have gone wrong somewhere along the way. And in this case, this is absolutely I think the film that they set out to make. The studio, God bless them, has given them complete support. Um, to do some really risky things. This is an R-rated film, which I think the fans have been clamouring for, but this is a really hard R. <laughs> I mean, this some. is very, very violent. Very Many people violent. getting claws to the head. Many yeah. claws to the head, yeah. I mean, it's 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 unapologetic about how yeah. uh, adult it is. The first word is an F word. The first scene involves several violent deaths, and um, and it, it spirals off from there. One of the one of the first things Professor X says, even though he's dropped the f bomb, both Wolverine and yep. Professor X uh, have dropped f bombs in previous X Men movies. But here, there's a lot of f bomb dropping, and when Ooh, when Patrick on. Stewart says the f word, <laughs> well, and I I had to leave the room. I had a bit of a fit of the vapors, I'm afraid, and had to go and lie down for a bit. Uh, I I thought this. I think this movie is. Uh, a fantastic, fantastic film. I think it. Um, we'll talk about. We, we're going to have a spoiler special podcast. Yes. 
for this, you may be pleased to know, with James Mangold, we, Helen and I sat down with him yesterday uh, for almost an hour, and we talked about this film. And he's um, he's a brilliant, brilliant talker. He is passionate, you guys, passionate. And we'll get into all the bits and pieces and the third act stuff, and we'll get into it all there. But I think this is a, a great, great film. I think for the first hour, I thought it was going to be the best X Men film of them all, and I know there are people who there are people who do feel that way. Uh, I feel it doesn't quite live up to it, uh, but it is a, a really confident movie. It's a movie that knows what it wants to be from the off. Uh, it's bold and it's brave and it's unexpected and it's moving uh, and yeah, absolutely full marks and uh, uniformly great performances. Like absolutely the board, stunning stuff. I I genuinely feel that this is a sort of movie that, and I know this is going to sound stupid. But Patrick Stewart in this movie in particular, for me, is Oscar worthy in this. I'm not saying give him a statue. I'm saying he's Oscar nomination worthy. I'm saying next year he should be in the running. And Jackman as well. And Daphne Keane. They're they're all very, very, very good. And they have more to do. They have more meat on the bones Mm. this time of their characters than they ever have. And for actors to do that, ninth time round for Jackman, seventh time round for Stewart, that's pretty phenomenal. Yeah. Uh, and and relatively unheard of, I would say, uh, compared to say Connery on his seventh go round <laughs> or Roger Moore with with Bond. Uh, it's a very different thing. Very different agree, era, yeah, of course. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it's. Uh, I think this is great. It's got it, really good action sequences as well. Um, yeah, I really really liked it. I Especially it. second time round, I think I liked it more. Late. Yeah, me too. We were discussing this yeah. yesterday. I think uh, I, I I I was very very keen on it first time around. I loved it even more second time around. So uh, it grew on me further. We had the same thing with Civil War. Maybe we yeah. were going into both a little bit hyped. But uh, but and yeah, now, Civil War. What tenth time around? Oh, so it's, good. It's 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 better than How Green Was My Valley. So <laughs> it's better than the movie. That's better than the best movie ever made. That is Die Hard. Pretty damn good. <laughs> That, that sounds like an Armageddon riff. It's better than shaking the hand of the I daughter. I just to shake the hand of the, the daughter bravest of the bravest man, man I ever met. That's right. Uh, so there we go. Four stars for Logan. It is uh, a, a cracking film. And if you don't like X-Men movies, this is uh, going to be up your street. Our Lizzie Beardsworth hadn't seen any X-Men movies going into this movie, and she really loved it. So It lives up to the promise of that early teaser with the Johnny Cash cover. Very and I much think so. that's the yeah. highest yeah. throws you can give it. Yeah. It's elegaic and haunting. Is the sort of thing you would say on the poster or maybe the DVD. <laughs> I'm just oh, saying. On, who's going to put any of us on the DVD cover? I'm just saying, if you want to have the poster, for the, the, the DVD cover of Logan in about six months' time and you had Ella Gag and Haunting, Chris Hewitt, Empire Podcast on there, I'm just saying. Give it up, Chris. It's triumphant. Next up, Cure for Wellness. Dane DeHaan versus the Eels. And <laughs> it kind of is, not, isn't it? Not the, uh, not the band. I paid. I paid to see either one of those movies. <laughs> quite frankly, right. So Dane DeHaan is a hard-working New York yuppie type. Uh, it, you know the thing. He's up for the big promotion, but his boss gives him an assignment. He's got to go to Europe to bring back this partner in his company to sign certain documents and cover up certain things. If not, they're going to be hung on Dane DeHaan. So it's, it's his job on the line, basically his reputation. He has to get this partner to come back from this spa where he went for three weeks and has stayed for a little bit longer than that and um, and get him to basically take on um, his responsibilities again. Uh, the problem is, when Danahan gets there, because he thinks this is going to be fine, this is not going to be a problem, uh, his character's Lockhart. When he gets there, he discovers that the partner is refusing to leave and that Dr. Volmer, head of the spa, played by Jason Isaacs, 
has something a bit sinister going on. So soon Dane DeHaan finds himself among the patients in the spa and uh, and starts investigating a series of unfortunate events, if you will, <laughs> uh, and certainly strange things involving an improbable number of eels. It, it, that's, that's, I mean, I don't know where, so what else to say without really, really good. I would not say it's no. really good, but you uh, might. I, no, I probably would. Would you say it's more good or <laughs> more or less? Oh. <laughs> anyway, when I uh, saw this movie, I wanted to do a conga uh, around the oh, uh, no, conga. Yeah. No, it's terrible. Yeah. So this is a film, um, and <laughs> it's 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 an odd one, isn't it? So from a craft point of view, it's kind of hard to fall early on in that it's beautifully shot, it's gorgeous. Yeah. I mean, the locations are fantastic. It's and it has that real sort of old school psychological horror feel to it, where it's it's not so much scary as it is just very unsettling. It's mm. very eerie. You can't put your finger on why it is, and you're not really sure what's going on. Um, and 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 there are moments in it. So there's a particular early on where he's walking through the steam baths, and his uh, his legs in a cast. He's using crutches and just the foley artistry on the creak the crutches make. Mm. This repetitive creak of the metal is quite unsettling. And then there's the steam, and then some slightly weird things happen in there. I mean. From my point of view, it had a real feel of some of those older, like almost like the Silent Hill video games. You know, it's it's, it's really just. I was thinking that as well, and I'm not even a gamer. But Verbinski nearly made was it, is it Biodome that sort of Bioshock. steampunk Bioshock that mm. steampunky oh, yeah. underwater yeah. game. And there's a little bit from what I've seen of that. It yeah, it's beautiful. It's all, but it is all sort of welded iron tanks yeah, and, and rivets and, and rivets yeah. and and pe- things floating in water and looking yeah. really otherworldly and beautiful and weird and scary and many many eels and so um, many eels yeah i mean it's it's sort of it's it's not period but it feels period set uh, and and it's it's a very curious thing and i think i i found it really effective for three quarters of its runtime and obviously one can't really go into spoilers but there's a sense that you know the great mysteries are ones that leave lots of threads dangling and the great mysteries are ones that pay off and the problem with this is it doesn't it's, it's all build up no pay off because it's utter nonsense it when makes you get to no the end sense of it. Yeah. and I mean it really isn't and the final uh, 50 minutes honestly feel like an entirely separate film made by an entirely separate filmmaker to the point where you're just going I don't know what just happened Yeah, the story um, and the structure of this I thought were a Appalling, yeah. appallingly bad, um, but uh, you know, I, I like I like the way it was designed. So I just, yeah, I I was not. I think I was probably less of a fan of this than you are. Either. Yeah, I mean, I I really enjoyed it, and then at that point when it turns, you think, well, the plot no longer makes any sense. I'm also ever so slightly offended by what's happening on screen, and I'm really quite irritated. That I've spent the last 15 hours watching the build up to it. So yeah. um, it's long. It is long, and I think if it had paid off, it wouldn't have felt so long. But the the fact that it does crumble towards <laughs> the end. Um, yeah, it, it makes it feel more of an ordeal than it otherwise would have done. So, potentially uh, wakefulness, maybe. potentially half. Yeah, <laughs> potentially maybe half an hour too long. Yeah, but I yeah. think movies like this should be applauded. I think I think more filmmakers taking it reminded me a lot actually of uh, Crimson Peak. Uh, it's working in that same. There is, yeah, there's a little bit of yeah. that gothic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. very gothic. very Milieu. atmosphere oriented. Do you like that pronunciation? Yeah. Incroyable. Thank you very much indeed. Uh, and I, I liked how creepy and effective it was and unsettling. And then it just goes eel shit crazy. And <laughs> I didn't mind that because certain actors, yeah, hello to the yeah. certain actors, commit when yeah. the craziness yeah, goes. Yeah. He really uh, does. I, I'm, I didn't say. I didn't say it was a he. I didn't. I didn't say who it was. <laughs> but you know, you put Jason Isaacs in your film. <laughs> Yeah, got to use them. 
That's all I'm going to say. Three we, stars. We gave that film three stars. I love the dismissive way you said that film. We gave that film that three film, stars. Wellness, three stars. Yeah. Uh, and then last, lastly this week, we have Patriot's Day, which is the latest reteaming of Peter Berg <laughs> and Mark Wahlberg. And this is a procedural look at the offence of the Boston Marathon bombings back in 2013. Yeah, so this is uh, basically places a fictional character, Sergeant Tommy Saunders, who's Mark Wahlberg's character, at the centre of all the events uh, immediately prior to and subsequent to the Boston Marathon bombing. So all the search for uh, the the people responsible. Um, it's the latest in that sort of yeah blue collar average guy caught up in extraordinary situations series that Peter Berg and Mark Wahlberg have been doing, obviously with Deepwater Horizon last year and Lone Survivor before yeah. that. Um, this one to me is the least successful of all three. Um, if if I'm perfectly honest, I think. It feels like he's a made-up character because he's so central to so much of what happens in a way that feels unnatural when everything else is pretty fact-based. So everybody else around him is working in their FBI teams or their, you know, local police teams or their whatever, you know, disaster relief teams. And it feels weird that there's this one guy who's sort of in the middle Mm -hmm. of all of them. Uh, the, The film makes some odd choices to focus very much on the police and not on any of the victims. There is... There are almost no runner characters, which I thought was a bit of a shame personally, but maybe that's just my me bringing my own thing to it. It also makes a very unfortunate decision with a Muslim FBI agent uh, halfway through, which I think opens it to charges of being less sensitive than I think it would like to be uh, as regards just sort of profiling of the bombers and everything else. Mm. It, it very much lets the authorities away with quite a lot of the decisions that they made in the aftermath, which were perhaps less than ideal. And I think it might have, you know, it, it does bring to life, it was all chaotic. They were trying to control things and also, you know, reopen the city, but keep everybody safe and this kind of stuff. I get that, that there's a conflict there, but they, they very much side with the police to the extent that they don't necessarily uh, discuss really the fact that for quite a long time, people out there were looking for the wrong individuals and people's lives were put at risk because they'd been wrongly fingered as the suspect. So there were some yeah, odd choices. But, you know, if you just watch it as a procedural, a search for the guys responsible, mm-hmm. it has some powerful moments, as you'd expect from Peter Burke. He's mm-hmm. very good at this sort of thing. He is, isn't he? Um, so, yeah, it, and it's very much more, I think, a US story than, a, than an international one. But at the same time, if, if you're interested in the story, it gives you a bit of a start. So we give it three stars. Three stars. So the, the least effective Hutch Parker produced movie out this week. Yeah. Along with Logan. After Logan. <laughs> After, lo- After Logan. A, yeah, a long way back okay. from Logan. Yeah. So Patriot's Day. Three stars in for Patriot's Day. And uh, that is it for this week's Empire Podcast uh, brought to you in association with mustard.co.uk. Uh, join us next week for more film-related fun when we'll be joined by... Sir Patrick Stewart Hurrah Star of Logan Amongst other things uh, And don't forget of course Our John Wick Chapter 2 Spotter special With Keanu Reeves Is up right now You can listen to that Right now And our Logan one With James Mangold Is on the way March 6th I believe For that one All very exciting uh, Until then It is goodbye from Helen Tiddly It's goodbye from James Bye And it's goodbye from me I'm off to write Five stars On all the Attack of the Clones DVDs I can find But my master plan is I'll put James's name under it. Eh? <laughs> Always thinking. See you next week. Bye.